Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg. With your host, psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark and co-host Debbie Nash, Living Well with Dr. Peg explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics. Brought to you by SSI Guardian, Living Well with Dr. Peg shares effective and practical psychological strategies based on biblical principles for living well. To learn more about the show or Dr. Peg's mental health consulting and publishing services, visit drpegradio.com. And now, here's your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Hello, listeners. I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, here with my co-host, Debbie Nash, minister of the gospel and founder of D. Nash Accounting and Tax Services Incorporated. We're blessed to be here with you today for this episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg. Living Well with Dr. Peg is brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions faith-based, and professional organizations. And Debbie and I are here every Saturday at 1 p.m. on 94.7 KRKS, broadcasting from Aurora, Colorado, and streaming online around the world at 947krks.com. And guess what? You can also listen from your smartphone on the KRKS app. So, hey, Deb, nice. how's it going today? Hey, Peg, doing well. Good. You're living well. Living well, Very and good. so good to be here with you and our listeners. Yes, absolutely, and we've got a great show planned today. Uh, you know, summer is finally right. here. You know, right. in Colorado, you never know what kind of weather you're going to get in the summer. Right. It could snow one day and be hot the next. Do you have any special summer plans coming up? You know, Dexter and I are looking at our calendar for the summer and both of us owning businesses. Mm-hmm. It's sometimes a little difficult to get away, but we're trying to plan little getaways. I really, in the summertime, look forward to time with my grandkids. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. Well, you're going to learn some information today that I think you'll find really valuable for yourself as a business owner and also as a as a grandparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm planning to take a few trips myself. Mm-hmm. Some in Colorado, you know, it's so beautiful here. Also going out of town, I've got my high school reunion coming up. Right. My, my 30 <coughs> something <laughs> high school reunion. Um, have you ever been to your high school reunion? I but, have not. <laughs> I've been invited many times. Maybe that's a show we need to do at some time. <laughs> that would be a good How one. to get Maybe, over the phobia yeah, of reunions. Live on location <laughs> right. from uh, Westbury High School. Nice. <laughs> Um, So, you know, we regularly address the topic of safety on the Living Well with Dr. Pegg show. And today we're going to be talking about summer safety, how you can keep yourself and your family safe this summer. And to help us take a look at that topic is our guest today, law enforcement expert Chief Todd Evans. And before I introduce Chief Todd Evans, let me just set up the topic for everybody a little bit today. And we know, obviously, violence is just happening all around us, uh, sadly. And even this past Memorial Day, um, I read in the paper there were 69 people shot in Chicago alone. Oh, my gosh. And uh, on average, um, in terms of intimate partner abuse and violence, um, domestic violence, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner. And in one year, I read a study that said um, on a typical day, there are about 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide. Hmm. Uh, In an FBI study um, in the years 2000 to 2013, the study found there's been 160 active shooter events nationwide with over a thousand people wounded and killed. And 
those events very often occur in commerce or business locations mm-hmm, for you as mm-hmm. a business owner. That would be important to know. About a quarter of them happen in schools, and about 10% happen in open spaces, 10% about about 10% government locations, and the remainder of these active shooter kinds of events happen in residences, houses of worship, and healthcare facilities. So mm-hmm. that kind of hits pretty much everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also know uh, research shows us violence increases during the summer months when the temperature gets hotter. Uh, temper, tempers flare, so mm-hmm. to speak, as mm-hmm. the as the hotter it gets. So what are the factors involved in increases in violence during the summer? What can we do to keep ourselves and our families safe, especially during the summer months, but of course all year round? And to help us explore those questions and much more today, it's my honor to introduce our guest for today's show, Chief Todd Evans. Hello, Chief Todd, Todd Evans. Good morning, Dr. Peggy, Debbie. Thank you for having me. It's Thank a you. To be here. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Chief Todd Evans was the chief of the El Paso County Sheriff's Office in Colorado Springs and previously chief of Fountain Police Department and um, entering into a new role that I, I'll let him tell us a little bit about. He supervised or worked in the police training academy, patrol, gang unit, SWAT, canine, plainclothes special enforcement unit, high-intensity community-oriented unit, investigations, and training units. And um, I don't know what all of those things are, but I've heard of canine and SWAT. <laughs> <laughs> and notably, I think you have a couple of interesting um, uh, things on your resume, Chief. Uh, you were involved in the capture of the notorious Texas Seven Fugitives, And you've also worked executive protection for major Hollywood stars. And you've traveled the world as a travel team leader. And I I know you would tell us who these stars were, but then you'd have to arrest us. So we're not going to make you tell us, but thank you for being with us by telephone today. And welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Chief, let's just get right into it. And as you can share some of your personal and professional experiences with us, I hope that you will. As I mentioned in the intro, studies show that violent crime increases in the summer months when the temperature gets hotter. Um, It increases aggressive behavior. Uh, More people are just outside interacting with other people, which probably increases the opportunities for them to have conflict. Has that been your experience as a law enforcement officer, that summertime kind of brings some new challenges? It really has, yes. We we kind of prepare for the summertime, um, our slow months, just in reference to calls for service, um, the whole um, plethora of domestic violence, it, it quiets down for us during the winter months. But, boy, during the summer months, that is known as our busiest months. And typically our caseload uh, for the law enforcement officers will almost double during the summertime. Wow. It's much more busy. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you all prepare for that? You know, we try to up our manning, but it's difficult because then our folks also want to be on vacation that you guys mm-hmm. were just talking about. Um, so it's very difficult. So we really increase the number of officers that are out on the streets. Um, we also ensure, we try to ensure that our training academies are timed mm-hmm. so that they graduate and then we have more. Even if it's trainees that are flowing out during the summer months, we take a lot of our specialized units um, and put them out today. Uh, down here in Colorado Springs, we have the Air Force Academy graduation. Mm-hmm. So, And we have uh, the president that is here speaking. So those events don't typically happen in an outdoor arena during the wintertime. But during the summertime, we've got hundreds of officers right now that are focused on that event because of the number, the high profile, Mm -hmm. the president speaking. So our summer months are packed with those special events, and a lot of folks don't think of that. Yeah. Um, 
uh, ramp up our manning when we have large gathering places for folks. Yeah, well, we're so grateful that that mm-hmm. you all are out there and available when we need your assistance and mm-hmm. that you're doing a lot of preventative interventions as well, I'm sure. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of our programs are, uh, when we get out and we try to be proactive, and I know we're going to talk a lot about that today, but we try to get out and do a lot of the education piece mm. just because people want to get out of the house mm-hmm. um, after the winter time, and they're much more open for ideas, and they let their guard down because you don't have to rush in and out of a place. And so we've got a lot of our community outreach programs uh, that are really in effect during the summertime months as well. That's great. And that's part of the purpose and vision of this program is to educate the public. Mm-hmm. And so we're so grateful to have you with us today and all of your expertise. Uh, you know, some of the other factors that are involved, um, according to the research, in terms of why summer is a little more um, uh, violent, um, domestic violence also increases, even though that's primarily inside the home as opposed to some of these large outdoor venues that you mentioned. Domestic violence also increases during the summer. Um, we know that children are home from school and perhaps parents are more stressed uh, trying to find activities for their school, for their children when they're out of school, get, keeping them in constructive activities, keeping them out of trouble, um, and then being underfoot might create some more stress at home. Uh, research also has found that even um, the higher number of uh, family summer parties that families are having in, in the summertime, that which, of course, often involve alcohol, mm-hmm. can often increase instances of abuse. Again, in terms of um, uh, your uh, police enforcement, uh, I, I've heard that domestic violence is one of the most dangerous calls for police. Is, would that be true? It truly is. And that last item that you mentioned, the, the partying, uh, for lack of a better term, that goes on during the summertime, many times, uh, something won't happen in the public, but then once folks get home, um, that's when they uh, they truly um, suffer from the alcohol-related incidents, and then we get those phone calls. But it is it, it is a vast majority of those during the summertime that we will respond out that we find out they've been out in activity all day, and then mm-hmm. they'll come home, and then the effects of that alcohol set in, and um, then we're called. And yeah. when we get out there on the domestic violence. It is a it is a lose lose situation. Mm. Uh, we have very strict state laws on what um, someone has to be arrested for if they do something, and people don't realize how strict they are. If they break a TV, that's considered criminal mischief. Mm. Someone's going to jail. Um, and the worst call you can go on as an officer is when you respond out, and both parents might have committed domestic violence. Therefore, by state law, they both have to go to jail. And then, of course, you've got those kids that you just talked about that are there at home. And it breaks our hearts mm-hmm. when we have to take two parents or even one to jail while we've got those poor kids. They're crying. And, of course, we look like the bad guys, and we hate mm-hmm. that. That mm-hmm. is the worst call to go on. Yeah, yeah. So wow. not in t- not only in terms of your safety and the safety of the parties involved, but the outcomes usually are not the most uh, desirable. Absolutely. And when you have that much emotion... You know, our our most um, violent calls evolve emotions. And when you've got a domestic violence, especially if both individuals have been drinking, you've got a lot of uncontrolled emotion that we are expected to come into control. And it's 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 uh, all virtually impossible. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times we'll go out. Um, both will be extremely emotional. If we tell one we have to take them to jail, now the other turns on the police as well. 
Um, so mm-hmm. everybody and now they take their anger out on you. Um, so it's extremely, it's extremely dangerous, and mm-hmm. um, those are our toughest calls. Yeah, yeah. So these mm. are things that with the summer, we're in the midst of summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are things that are going to be happening on a regular basis. Um, we're out in the public. We're at festivals. We're at concerts. We're at picnics and parties. We're also at indoor venues, um, theaters, and malls. And we'll be talking more about that in our upcoming segment looking at something called situational awareness, um, being educated about these topics is the first step. And then the chief is going to share with you what situational awareness means. You're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, here with my co-host, Debbie Nash. And our guest today is law enforcement expert, Chief Todd Evans. Our topic is summer safety. We're going to take a break to hear from our sponsor, SSI SSI Guardian, And when we come back, we'll talk more about situational awareness and how to stay safe in different environments, such as outdoor public venues, malls, and theaters. Don't go away. One needs to look no further than today's headlines to understand the threats facing American schools. They remain soft targets for violent threats, and yet our schools go largely underprepared. Our children deserve the highest level of education in the safest learning environment possible. The SSI Guardian QAL, or Quick Action Lockdown, is the fastest and safest way to lock down a classroom. This revolutionary device provides schools with maximum locking protection while meeting all safety, fire, and building codes. Designed by the leading lock experts in the world, the QAL is the only lock that meets Department of Homeland Security primer recommendations. SSI Guardian QAL now makes classroom lockdowns fast and safe with the red button. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the best classroom protection. Take action today by calling SSI Guardian at 877-878-5800 or go to guardianprotect.com. That's guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, here with my co-host, Debbie Nash, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. We're talking with law enforcement expert Chief Todd Evans, and our topic today is summer safety uh, you know, Deb, um, how aware are you of your environment when you go out uh, with your husband to a movie or out to dinner or a mm-hmm. concert in the summer? Well, you know, since that unfortunate shooting that we had here in our own state of Colorado at that movie theater, I have to say every time we go to a movie, I'm always looking at that back door. Mm. And it doesn't scare me enough not to go to the movies, but I have to say I'll whisper to Dexter every single time, what do we do if somebody walks mm. through that door? Yeah. Yeah. So those what if questions. Chief Todd Evans, is Debbie uh, earning a gold star for that today or what? Absolutely. And, you know, Debbie, something that uh, I share with you is is after the horrible incident you all had in Aurora, I had promised my son, who was 12 at the time, uh, that I would take him to see the Batman movie. Mm. And we waited a day. Then we went uh, two days after the horrible incident, and I can tell you it was the first time that I watched him. And, of course, he's heard this stuff probably ad nauseum for him, but as we sat there in the movie theater, he looked around, Mm -hmm. and I kind of asked him, what are you doing? And he said, Dad, I'm looking for the exit. If somebody comes in, I can jump over this right here and Mm -hmm. get to the door right away. So to hear that you're doing that, uh, that is uh, that first huge step uh, when we're discussing situational awareness. 
Good to know. Yeah. So basically, situational awareness is having your eyes and ears open, being aware of your environment, the people around you, and the situation. Um, Chief, tell us a little bit about situational awareness in, in different types of venues. You know, when I lived in Park Hill, which is a neighborhood in northeast Denver, uh, my family and I frequented Denver City Park, especially for Jazz in the Park, which was a, a, it is a series every Sunday. And I remember four years ago this month when a, uh, Officer Selena Hollis was shot and killed at the mm-hmm. park. Uh, I didn't happen to be there that particular Sunday, but um, ironically, my daughter's friend, Alex, um, she was at the Aurora Theater um, during the shooting and f- fortunately survived. She also happened to be at City Park, oh which happened a couple weeks prior to the Aurora Theater shooting. And she was right there, just, you know, several yards away from from where the um, officer was killed. Um, and so having the Aurora Theater tragedy happen just a few weeks after that kind of put everybody, I think, on mm-hmm. edge, at least me and my family, kind of made us feel like we didn't want to go places. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to be held prisoner either by my fear. So I appreciate, Chief Todd, that you promised your son you would take him and you guys did go. And it also is a learning opportunity, a teachable moment. So when we do go back to the theater, back to the park, um, back to any environment where these tragic uh, shootings have occurred around our country, how do we implement situational awareness? What does that really look like? What should we be doing, Chief? You know, Dr. Peggy, you bring up some great examples. And something I want to point out to everyone that, that everyone doesn't realize is they kind of expect law enforcement officers to have situational awareness. Mm. And the longer you're an officer, the better you get, because it is a learned skill. It's something mm-hmm. that if you practice it, then you will get better and better at it. And once you start to feel comfortable with it, as you mentioned, it doesn't bring on paranoia. It actually empowers you. Mm. And you know this, doctor, from when we go out and do uh, different trainings around the nation, people approach us afterwards and say, thank you, because I never thought of things that way. Mm-hmm. And in today's day and age, people want to have those tools. Um, an example is um, if you're out in public and you're watching the flow of the crowd, similar to the concert venue that you mentioned, that's just as important as trying to see if there's individuals that you need to be concerned with, because it's impossible to go to a large venue and public gathering place and try to figure out what each individual is doing. But if you watch the flow of the crowd, they will let you know immediately if there's an issue going in their immediate area. Yeah, Chief, that's such a, a good point. I was at a concert once where I saw the crowd all of a sudden up front just stood up and moved all in mass And before I knew what was going on, I decided I'm going to run, too, (laughs) because something's happening. I don't know what. Well, it Mm -hmm. turned out there was a snake in the grass. (laughs) But my first instinct was, oh, my goodness, something's going on. And so it it didn't really matter what it was. I saw everyone who could see what was happening up front. They were running away. So I decided I'd run away, too. Good, good. And you'll see in that crowd itself, you'll see some that want to move towards it because Mm. they want to see. Right. And, And more and more today, they want to video. Those are the individuals that are placing themselves in the danger. Uh, Then you'll see others that will get that paralysis by analysis that almost freeze because they don't know what to do. Then you'll see those folks that have that situational awareness that will immediately, Mm. as you did, they will immediately say, there's some type of threat in that area. I'm going to move away from the threat and take my family with me. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the individuals that when we do studies on these different situations that have occurred, you find the ones that react immediately, they recognize there is a threat in a certain area, and they move quickly away from it. 
those are the individuals that don't get caught in it. Wow, um, that's such that a great observation. that is part of having that proactive situational awareness. Mm-hmm. So having that what-if mindset, that mindset of awareness, even that survival mindset, I'm mm-hmm. going to have my eyes open, I'm going to pay attention to the flow of the crowd, I've already rehearsed in my mind, like Debbie and her husband, what if this is what I'm going to do, even if you embarrass yourself because it's just mm-hmm. a snake in the grass, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least you're safe. And in, in the, the unfortunate circumstances where it really is something tragic or dangerous going on, you're the one who's going to get away safely. Absolutely. And if you're if you're out with your family, of course, it's going to depend on age appropriate. Mm. But if you're out with your family and you're walking into a large venue with a lot of people, you say, OK, guys, if we get separated, this is where we're going to meet afterwards. Mm-hmm. And if something's going on here, then we'll meet out where the car is. And you you will see them. They'll they'll get that empowerment. They kind of look at you. And now you've given them a little more self-confidence because kids in today's age, they get everything um, on their phones and on their computers sooner than we get it in law enforcement. So they get those same concerns that we do. And and we're kind of over where we're kind of hiding things from our kids, especially age appropriate, Mm -hmm. because they find out about it. So we have to gather them the tools and hand them to them and say, this is how you utilize this if you're in a bad incident. And you can see them garner confidence from that. And that's that's helps them with their um, um, their abilities to go out and deal with what's going on. Mm-hmm. So, Deb, you're the mm-hmm. mother of grandchildren. How does that jibe with you in terms of dealing with your grandchildren who are all different ages? They are. And, and uh, Chief Todd, one of the things when Peg and I were um, preparing for this, I said, wow, I want to know how to talk to my grandchildren or their parents, um, my daughter and son-in-law. How do you prepare a 14-year-old because their maturity is different versus an 8-year-old? I have an 8-year-old granddaughter, and I have uh, twin 6-year-old grandsons. And it's not that we want to make them paranoid because my granddaughter tends to be a little fearful anyway. So how do, if I'm taking them out to the museum, which we love frequenting, how do I prepare them and say, hey, kids, if something happened in here without making them fearful of going? Sure. And what we recommend is instead of kind of laying the groundwork of what could happen, mm-hmm. we use the terminology if we get separated. Mm. Um, if you're at the bathroom and you don't know where I'm going to be, then let's meet over here. So it's really setting their expectations. And we don't take them to the worst case scenario. Okay. We kind of do that in the middle. Now that little, uh, your little eight-year-old. And Debbie, a funny story for you and all the listeners out there. I'm kind of in the same situation you are. My wife and I, we've been together 25 years. We've got a 20-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a wonderful little three-year-old blessing. Uh, oh. We were blessed with. So when, when, when you mentioned the difficulty of having that age appropriateness with a very wide range of ages, I live it every day. You understand. You're yeah. living it. Right. That's exactly right. You right. Know, the Lord blessed us with our little guy. But we really have to make sure. So, you know, in those age groups, three all the way up to eight, they're not going to leave my side. I'm going to make sure they stay with us. But as we get older in the 14s and 15s, they're the ones that are going to make sure, well, I'm, I'm just going to head over to here by myself. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And so what I try to do is well, while we're driving to um, a different venue like the museum, when we're rolling up there, I'll kind of talk to them and see what their concerns are. Mm-hmm. And then kind of just let them tell me what their concerns are, and then again, empower them with those solutions, which it doesn't take someone who's been and had the experiences that I have. It's just good 
common sense uh, combined with good situational awareness. So, Chief Todd, if, if because I'll be honest, where I'm going is, but shouldn't I be telling them these bad things can happen? And if they do happen, this is what we need to do. So I'm hearing you say don't instill that kind of fear, but yet prepare them that if we get separated, which is a very positive way of saying the same thing, yep. um, if we get separated, we're going to meet here. Exactly. Let's use the situation that occurred in UCLA. Um, right. What I am glad to see is the media, at least on day one, they really have focused and the reports that have been coming out about the good situational awareness the kids and the staff had inside the classrooms. Yeah. And I've read on several different reports that the kids used the cords that were on the uh, um, some of the different machines. They used belts that each other had to secure doors that didn't have locks on those. So that is a situation that we can use with our 14, 15, all the way up to my 20-year-old who's in college and say, hey, guys, did you see what they did? As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, I was taking my son to his football practice this morning, and guess what we talked about on the way? Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that event. And mm-hmm. uh, I said, hey, buddy, did you see what occurred at UCLA? And, of course, he goes, yeah, I did, Dad. That's crazy. I said, wow. did you hear about what they were doing inside those rooms? And he said, weren't they using their belts? Mm-hmm. So it's taking something he was already aware of, not painting a worst-case scenario, but really focusing on the successes that those folks did. Mm-hmm. Right. So being solution, solution and action focused. Uh, great, great advice, Chief exactly. Todd Evans. Listeners, this is Living Well with Dr. Pegg, brought to you by SSI Guardian, who has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based, and professional organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, here with my co-host, Debbie Nash, and our guest, law enforcement expert, Chief Todd Evans. And we're discussing summer safety. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, Chief Todd Evans will advise us on what to do if we're confronted with an active shooter. Stay with With us. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. Democratic presidential candidate Hillary Clinton visited FBI headquarters in Washington today, where she interviewed about her use of a private email server when she was Secretary of State. Her campaign says Clinton gave a voluntary interview this morning that lasted for three and a half hours. The Islamic State group has released photos of the five men, it says, carried out the attack on a Bangladesh that left 20 victims dead. The site intelligence group quotes Islamic State as saying the militants used knives, cleavers, assault rifles, and hand grenades, but released Muslims unharmed. Among the dead in Bangladesh were three college students who were attending school in the U.S. One, an Indian national, had been on holiday from her studies at the University of California, Berkeley. Meanwhile, Emory University in Georgia says two of its students were among the reported victims. This is SRN News. Hi, I'm Alan Davis with Signs of Change, the Godly Sign Show, every Saturday at 4.30 on KRKS 94.7 FM. The Signs of Change brings great local business leaders to, to you like Krista Judd, who will help you gain financial independence, David Towson, who will teach you how to travel the world, and Dave Pavick of Catholic Charities, who will teach you the joy of giving. Now make sure you join us for Signs of Change, the Godly Sign Show on KRKS. The Godly Sign with Alan Davis, Saturday afternoons at 4.30 on 94.7 KRKS. Finances were not.
not designed to bust our marriages, but build our marriages. That's Chris Brown talking about money from a biblical perspective. There's a world's way of handling money that's rooted in entitlement, and there's God's way of handling money that is rooted in contentment and gratitude. Got a money issue you need help with? Listen to Chris Brown's True Stewardship, Managing God's Blessings God's Way for God's Glory. Listen to Chris Brown's True Stewardship weekday afternoons at 2.30 on 94.7 KRKS. Hey everyone, it's Eric and Angel inviting you to check out ExperienceProsDeals.com. Our pro pick of the week is the Ostrich Baskets Executive Gift Basket. Nothing says I appreciate you and your business or welcome to the team better than an executive gift basket. With wine glasses, bamboo cutting board, cheeses, crackers, summer sausage, and an executive pen and pencil set with Padfolio. This is one of the gifts that keeps on giving. 50% off at ExperienceProsDeals.com. That's ExperienceProsDeals.com. You've heard Heaven Fest is coming, but you may not have heard the whole story. Heaven Fest is the largest Christian evangelistic event in the seven-state Rocky Mountain region with 30,000 people in attendance. Their heart is to transform lives through the message of the gospel and to reach the most underserved market in the church, the 20 to 30-year-old young adult. Heaven Fest is looking for kingdom-minded people just like you to make a lifelong impact. Get your tickets today at HeavenFest.com and learn how you can get involved to help transform a generation. Heaven Fest, presented by Life of Valor. Visit HeavenFest.com now. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, here with my co-host and my good friend, Debbie Nash, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. Our guest today is law enforcement expert, Chief. Chief Todd Evans, and our topic is summer safety. And Chief Todd and I have been going out across the country doing active shooter training, advanced active shooter training, and um, come to know him very well and really respect your expertise, uh, Chief Todd. And so let's talk a little bit about um, active shooter events, specifically when someone comes in with the intent of uh, killing as many people as they can and often even themselves. Um, not not the most pleasant topic to talk about, but in our in the times in which we're living today, it's really important, isn't it? Absolutely. And you know, Doctor, one of the things that we're facing in law enforcement is we have to understand now. If you go by the definition of active shooter, we are seeing more and more of these that are occurring in homes, as mm-hmm. well as in the, with the statistics that you shared with everyone out in the public. Um, it used to be back when I was a patrolman that um, infrequently would you see an individual who was who was desperate, who was irate, who had um, who was going to hurt themselves, hurt others before that. Um, but it's sad to see how, and this is occurring all around the nation, mm-hmm. how individuals are hurting multiple members of their families prior to hurting themselves. Yes. So it's really something that when we go out and we talk, people say, well, we don't think that will ha- that will happen at our faith-based school, or we don't think that will happen here. But we want to make sure everyone understands this is something that is occurring in homes as well as out in general public areas as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that situational awareness is, is our remedy to denial, it, to say yeah. it couldn't happen here, it wouldn't happen here. Well, it, it has been happening in mm-hmm. environments just like the ones in which we all live. Correct. So, uh, Chief Todd, let's talk a little bit about um, the Aurora Theater shooting. Four years ago this month, 2012, 
Um, we talked on a, a previous show a couple of weeks back about it's kind of like when I was growing up, people used to ask, where were you when you heard the news about JFK being assassinated or MLK being assassinated? And it's almost as if in our generation today, people ask, where were you when you heard the news about Columbine or mm-hmm. what was going on with you when you heard the news about the Aurora theater shooting. Deb, do, do you remember where you were and the kind of the reaction you had um, when you heard the news and in the in the subsequent days and weeks? Oh, my gosh. When when my um, girls, when the kids were growing up, we have four children. And when they were in high school, um, when that Columbine shooting uh, came out on the radio, I was like, where are my children? Where are my children? Even when, um, you know, the terrorist attack on the twin buildings, you instantly want to bring them close to you. Mm-hmm. And you just, as a parent, go into sheer panic. Um, for the Aurora shooting, that's not a theater that we went to as a family because it wasn't in our demographic area. However, hearing it, it's like, where are my children? Th- you know, whether they were in the house or not, your instant thought is, Where's my loved ones? Do I know anybody that's mm-hmm. there? What are they doing? What's happening? Yeah. Tra- yeah. Traumatic. Yeah. And, and Chief, you're a law enforcement expert, longtime veteran in the profession, and you're a father as well. Um, so I'm sure you can relate uh, to Debbie's concerns as a parent and also with your expertise in law enforcement. It really does. And, and you know, as uh, just like Debbie said, we have the exact same reaction although that's when our experiences kind of come back and get the worst of us mm. because I've, I've said throughout my career um, it's, it's one thing when we go out and we're dealing with adults, but when kids are involved, mm-hmm. it absolutely pulls at our heartstrings. And both Columbine as well as the Aurora shooting, um, we have the same reactions. For both of those, I, got, I started getting pages because how law enforcement reacts to those, they don't know. They don't know if it's isolated, and they don't know how long it's going to take. So we start notifying and putting our tactical teams on standby. Um, the day Columbine occurred, we were out on another tactical mm. operation when we started getting uh, standby pages from up in Littleton, and then we got the same standby pages in Aurora um, just to have our guys prepared in case we all have to respond up uh, to give that uh, uh, assistance. Mm-hmm. Didn't in either mm-hmm. case, but we were on standby, and mm-hmm. we have the same thoughts. Where are our kids? I've mm-hmm. actually, when things occurred and I get pages on them, I go up to make sure my kids are at home and in bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even when it happens outside of your jurisdiction, um, as a law enforcement um, professional, you might be on standby just because sometimes when you don't know the scope of the incident when it's first unfolding, you don't know how how many People mm-hmm. are going to be needed. How many law enforcement um, uh, personnel are going to be needed? Mm-hmm. But then you kick in as a, a father as well and, and think about what's going on with my family. Happens every call when you get downtime. You start thinking about your own family, and it uh, it, it tears at your heart. It, it makes the job very, very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, and the good cops, they always put themselves in the place and said, how would I react wow. if this is my family? Mm-hmm. And and in saying that, Chief Todd, I want to say from our hearts, uh, Peg, to all those law enforcement officers, thank you for your service. Thank you for putting your life on the line for my safety. And I, I, I truly mean that from the bottom of my heart. We all appreciate it. That means the world to us. Thank you. And when you get to know 
people individually, as I've come to mm-hmm. know Chief Todd Evans, you just know what good people they are. And so we pray for your safety out there as right. well. And we thank you for what you do to educate the public, which is what we're doing today, as well as keep us safe when things start happening. So, Chief thank Todd, you. when when we're at the theater, we're at the, uh, the mall, we're at a concert or some other public place, indoors or outdoors, and we are we become aware that there is an active shooter incident unfolding. What do we do? You know, Deb laid it out a little bit, and she did a great job that when you walk in, you are aware enough and have that situational awareness that initially what we'd like you to do is find how you get away from any mm-hmm. threat the quickest. So if you walk in, okay, what are my quickest E&E points or exit and evade points? How can I get away from that threat that you mentioned, Dr. Peggy, regardless of where you're at? Um, let's use, uh, how about a mall? Let's use a mall as an example. Um, when you when you're walking down a mall, Debbie, can I ask you a couple of questions? Would that be okay? Yeah, go right ahead. If, if you're walking down a mall and you're in that middle hallway where you have both stores on both sides of you, and you're walking down, we always hear from our witnesses that when the initial gunfire goes off, they think it's firecrackers. Mm. So let's say you're walking down that hall and you hear firecrackers in the food court area. And these are malls are consistent all around the world. When I was working executive protection and, and running the travel teams, when we would go out and scout them, wouldn't matter if it was in Europe, in Asia, um, Africa, South Africa, spent a lot of time there for the World Cup. Um, they're very consistent. So, Deb, you're walking down with your family. Mm-hmm. And you hear firecrackers near the food court. How do you get your family away from that threat the quickest? Oh, my gosh. that That's such a question because I'm thinking I'm in the food court. We're enjoying a meal, and I see myself, Chief Todd, no kidding, just standing up, looking around, and trying to see what it is. And sure. you're right. What I should be thinking or could be thinking is let's leave our food and head for the exit. Head for the exit. Correct. And let us give you a little hint of where the closest exit might be. The store that's closest to you, if you just head directly into that store, what are they all around the world required to have at the rear of those stores? Oh, exit emergency doors. Correct. Ah, you know, because when you first said that, I'll be honest, I'm thinking you're telling me to go in a store where I'm going to be trapped and a shooter's going to come in and kill me. But you're saying, no, I wouldn't have thought of that, Peg. Because what do we do? We usually look for the exit chief, uh, the same door that we came into the mall. It was the door we're looking for to exit the mall. But you're saying at the back of every single store and restaurant in a mall around the world, there's going to be a fire exit. Correct. Well, now, that's good. That good to may know. change. I've done some. I've done some training in Mexico, and those there's some depending on where you're at. Have okay. Situational awareness, but the vast, vast, vast majority they'll have fire code. And remember, the vast majority of people will be looking for that exit sign, or as you said, Doctor right. Peggy, they'll all be headed for one large exit, which can create a big bottleneck. Mm-hmm. Oh. So my family and I we're headed to that closest store. And as we're boogieing through there, there's probably going to be a 17-year-old cashier that's going to tell me I can't go to the, right. the store. I guess I'm going to go right past that individual. He might get a he might get a little football stiff arm as I'm going past, <laughs> uh-huh. and we're going out that back door. Um, so that's that situational awareness mm-hmm. that if you go in and you know those little things, and sad to say, we've done this this training. 
And then we've had huge incidents in African malls and other places. Mm -hmm. And I've had people email me and say, I can't believe now when I go to the mall, I think about how I can do that. Right. And I hope our listeners are taking good notes here because, Dr. Pegg, this is great information. It's life-saving information, really. So situational awareness when you enter any um, public indoor space or outdoor space, how will I get away? Have that plan in mind uh, before anything happens. And that can actually save your life. So what Mm -hmm. if Chief Todd were not able to evacuate for whatever reason our exit is um, blocked or or we're just not sure where the firecrackers Mm -hmm. or the shooting is coming from and we don't want to run into the middle of, of the event. What do we do? Absolutely. Now, we want to teach you the concept of what actually is considered cover and what's considered concealment. Okay. So, Debbie, if you're mm-hmm. in your car, let's mm-hmm. say you're in your car and you're uh, sitting somewhere in a traffic jam um, or in a confined area with your vehicle itself and you've got your family in there and you start hearing gunfire outside of your vehicle, what is the difference between cover and concealment in your vehicle? What in your vehicle will actually stop around from coming through and striking someone in your vehicle? Well, Chief Todd, we're going to save Debbie's answer for mm-hmm. after our break. So, <laughs> listeners, you're going to have so to stay with us. you got to stay tuned in. <laughs> Don't go away. We're talking about summer safety with our guest law enforcement expert, Chief Todd Evans. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark with my co-host, Debbie Nash, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg, brought to you by our sponsor, SSI Guardian. So when we come back, we're going to hear, we've talked about how your first um, your first option is to try to get away from the active shooter. However, if that's not possible, you're trying to take cover or concealment, and Chief Todd Evans is going to tell us what's the difference between cover and concealment. What can we, what can we hide behind mm-hmm. that's going to protect us, keep us safe? So you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Pegg. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. You're here with co-host Debbie Nash and our guest law enforcement expert, Chief Todd Evans. Tune in. Don't go away. Come on back with us. Schools can no longer afford not to invest in a professional evidence-based advanced safety education training program. It's the single most important decision and investment a school administrator will ever make in their professional career. When all else fails, training and preparation are the only things that will increase your chances of survival in a violent incident such as an active shooter or active terrorism. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training programs tailored to your needs. While there are many basic training programs largely based on opinion and emotion, SSI Guardian is the only advanced training program of its type with an accredited continuing education unit or CEU issued by an accredited university. SSI Guardian has set the new standard in advanced safety education by providing evidence-based advanced training and solutions to learning institutions, faith-based and professional organizations. To learn more, call SSI Guardian today at 877-878-5800 or visit guardianprotect.com. To learn more about living well with Dr. Peg, visit drpegradio.com. And now, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark.
Welcome back, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark here with my co-host, Debbie Nash, and you're listening to Living Well with Dr. Peg. We're talking with law enforcement expert, and he's truly an expert with a wealth of experience, Chief Todd Evans. Our topic is summer safety. Chief Todd, right before the break, you were asking Deb a really important question, and we had a little cliffhanger there mm-hmm. over the break. Can you ask her that question again about concealment and cover? Absolutely. And, and for all the listeners, this is part of mental imaging. Uh, what type of incidents could occur to you before they occur. Um, so, Deb, we have you in a vehicle, okay. and you're with your family in the vehicle, and you recognize that there's shots fired somewhere outside that vehicle. How would you position your vehicle to ensure that your family had cover from those rounds and not just concealment inside of the vehicle? Wow. What could you use in a vehicle for cover? So I'm thinking uh, for me and where I am in my life cycle, it would be, let's say I'm taking my grandchildren somewhere. Let's say they're having a day with uh, Mimi. And so I would have my 14-year-old in the front seat and the uh, 8-year-old and twin uh, boys in the back seat. I'm instantly thinking I would tell them, get on the, the ground of the car. I don't know. What do you do? Because I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, what in the heck do you do? You bet. And for all the listeners out there, uh, Deb and I have not rehearsed any of this. So she's hearing this question. Uh huh. As well. Right. So what you just did when you said I would have my 14 year old here, I would have my other grandchildren in the back, that was mental imaging. That was perfect. Right. So what you would do is having them get down is excellent. Okay. You're getting them away from the windows where there is the least amount of cover. In a vehicle, even the doors are not covered because a round will go right through the door. Ah. Can you explain what cover is? And, you know, we know concealment means something we can hide behind where someone can't see us. But what exactly is cover specifically? In the vehicle itself, that engine block would be your cover because it has the ability to actually stop a round where the doors give you concealment, but a round can still go through them. The engine block, because it's so thick, that will stop a round. So you would want to position your vehicle so that your engine block was between you and the individual firing the rounds so that you would it would give you some type of cover rather than just concealment from those rounds. So but chief, okay, so here I am. I'm going, okay, I'm I'm envisioning this whole thing. So we're assuming that I'm not stuck in traffic and I can actually maneuver around. So this you know, I hear shots fired. You're saying I want to make sure I'm understanding position my car then to where really the front of my car is facing more so where the shooter is coming from? Correct. Now, if you can get away, get away. Okay. We always want you to get away from the threat if possible. Okay. If you can't, or let's say you're in a position where you might be able to put your car in reverse, uh, and reverse because uh, the threat was in front of you, Okay. reverse away from the threat with the engine block in front of you. Okay. Now you're getting away from the threat and you have cover between you and the threat. But you're saying stay in the car, not get out of the car and get the protection um, by the engine block? You know, great questions, but that is why we want you to mental image and situational awareness because I can't give you a solution for everything that might happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, if you had to get out of the car, let's say, okay, let's say you were in a traffic jam and you had to get out of the car, now where would you position your family? Right. Or or if you're in the mall or you're at a concert or you're uh, in a theater, you have to just in your situational awareness Mm -hmm. in advance know where can I take cover. Because sometimes you can't you can't go anywhere because if it is a big crowd, 
you're stuck in the middle of that crowd. Do you just duck? Do you? Let me let me give you an example. My wife and I were in Minneapolis. Um, this was last summer. We we've got our our little blessing with us, so we've got him and his stroller. I love that. We're there for a volleyball tournament, and we're downtown Minneapolis. They were having an outdoor concert down the block from the convention center. So my wife and I are walking. We're walking away from the the concert itself, and all of a sudden we start hearing screaming and yelling. And there was actually a gun that had been pulled near the stage, and people were now in a mass panic running through the streets of Minneapolis. So my wife and I were were basically were cordoned off. We've got buildings that are all closed. It was a Sunday afternoon, both on our right and our left, and here comes a hundred, a sea of people running at us, yelling and screaming. It was it was teens to maybe twenty five, that that age level of a concert, and they're all running at us screaming, and my wife goes, What do we do? What do we do? Mm-hmm. I looked and I was able to see that there was a, a monument sitting on the sidewalk. It was a hard concrete monument. Mm. It was only about 20 feet in front of us, so we pushed our little guy, mm. and I got my wife and him behind the monument, put them directly next to it, and then I stood them as everyone was running past mm. us. Wow. wow. So you so had concealment that monument and cover. was our cover. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, I mean, that's great. And, and cover from the crowd, too. Exactly. People get injured by the stampede. stampede. Right. Correct. Correct. And, you know, something we haven't brought up is do we call 911? And at one point, do we call 911? And I just want to share this very briefly. I was getting off the exit peg to go home, and we're at a stop, cars in front of me, cars in back. I notice the car, one car up over, they get out of their car, they go to the car in front, and they are banging on the windows. They are yelling at this poor woman that is in there. I don't know what she did, but in that case, I was saying, oh, my gosh, are they going to pull a gun? Are they going to break her windows? Are they going to get a bat? Because these individuals looked very shady. Very angry individuals. And I sat there, Peg, going, what What do do I do? do? And I got my phone because I'm like, do I start recording them? Do I call 911? Chief Todd, what should I have done in that situation? I mean, eventually the light turned green and they went and they just sped away chasing this woman. And and Chief Todd, uh, do the police get mad if we call 911 and it turns out a few seconds later it was nothing? Never, because... Always keep in mind there's going to be a response window from the time we get that call, process it through our commo center, actually dispatch someone, and then they get to you. So, Debbie, in your situation, Mm -hmm. you call immediately. Okay. And what you want to do, call 911. If you're directly behind, as you described, put your phone on speaker, put your phone down so that they can't see Uh, you on the phone. Right. But you're talking over the phone, and you're giving all the details. You're getting a plate of their car if you can. So you're giving the, the dispatcher a location immediately, a plate, a description, and then a description of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're doing that immediately. Okay. And if you can, again, I want you to get you, your grandkids, away from the threat. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean don't stand there, don't video it, because once you start videoing it, now you are a now I'm a target as well. Yeah. Yes. Right. And and those road rage. It sounds like a road. Rage, it was road rage. Those yeah. road rage. They happen frequently. Um, but don't ever hesitate from calling us. Um, a lot of folks do. They say, "Well, I don't want to call." I, that's exactly deal. what I thought. I'm no. like, "Oh my god, I don't want to bother them. I don't, I don't want to make a fool of myself if right. I'm wrong." But right. 
Yes, because if that escalates, right. and let's say let's say we watch it for three or four minutes, and then all of a sudden they do break the window and they start right. pulling that poor young right. woman or old woman, whoever was out right. of the car. Now we've wasted those three to four minutes of a uh, response window to get us there. Good. Mm-hmm. That, that, it's good to know. That's good information. Yeah. 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 So our steps are uh, evacuate or get away from the threat. Uh, yes. If we can't, hide out, take cover, which can stop a bullet or stop a round, conceal ourselves at the very least, call 911 sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're in an enclosed area, Chief, uh, where... where um, Someone could hear our phone or hear the phone ringing. How, how do, what do we do while we're hiding out if the shooter is right there and we're, we're concealed? We may even have cover, but they are very close. What do we do and what do we do if they eventually do find us? Now, let's use the Planned Parenthood incident we just had down here the day after Thanksgiving last year in Colorado Springs um, because that was a very small building very enclosed, um, but every employee inside of there had situational awareness. They had done training. Mm -hmm. They discussed the things, especially the question that you just talked about, Dr. Peggy. And that individual was inside of there, and he actually told us in interviews he was listening for their phones to go off. Wow. So them turning off their phones is imperative not to allow them to know where you're at. And if you're in a close um, proximity to these individuals. That's especially if you're in your workplace, if you're in your home, and, and we may go into that later, but if you're in anywhere that you know the environment better than they do, you find the best concealment area that you can, um, and it's okay to have a phone with you, but you want to make sure that it's off because they've told us they're listening for those things. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Yeah. Yes. Well, we, we have a short time left. In terms of taking action and having to fight for our lives, what kind of advice or guidance can you give us? You know, the best thing everyone can do, if it reaches that point, and sometimes it does, if it reaches that point, be prepared. Have mental imaged any situation. Have the self-confidence that if you have to take action, mm-hmm. you're all in. Mm-hmm. And you're not kind of, you can't take action on an individual that's going to have that much adrenaline dumping and, and go at it halfway. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have to be all in. You have to use everything that's at your access to be able to keep them, defeat them, do whatever you have to do. But the most important thing is is to empower yourself that if it comes to that point, this is what I would this do. This is what we're mm-hmm. going to do. Mm-hmm. Don't be trying to brainstorm that during the incident right. mm-hmm. because it happens too fast. That's mm-hmm. right. Well, we know God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. That's right. And at the same time, we've got to be mindful. There's evil around us. That's we've right. got to take practical actions. We've got to prepare ourselves. We have to have a mindset of awareness. We have to do all the mental imaging and advanced preparation that Chief Todd Evans has um, urged us to to do, Mm -hmm. um, taking appropriate action when necessary. But it sounds like, Mm -hmm. Chief, the key is prevention, really um, having that mindset of awareness, what if thinking, how 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 am I going to keep myself and my family safe? Uh, Chief Todd, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. God bless you. We pray you and your family have a safe summer. My guest has been Chief Todd Evans. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark with my co-host Debbie Nash, reminding you to live well.